0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Tuesday, September 25th, the rainy and awful September 25th episode of the College Gridiron Podcast. Jimmy, you had some trouble getting here today. Well,
1: we were were supposed to start at 6, right? I wanted to get here early, so I left my house at 3.15. I go down the road I go down. It's closed. There's like multiple accidents. I'm sure somebody died on that road at some point today. Um, multiple accidents, it's closed, I have to get on the Cross County. Cross County dumps me off to, I don't even know, the New York Thruway or something. I'm taking all these back roads like I'm a Ram Van driver or something, (laughs) where I'm on like 230th Kingsbridge, Uh, I passed Jerome at one point, and then all of a sudden I just keep driving, and all of a sudden I'm looking at the back of, I guess, Conley Hall? That sounds about right. uh, 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 I was on Webster. So I guess I'm looking at the back of that building and I'm like, Follow me to freedom. <laughs> I've made it. Finally. Did you just say you left at 3.15? I Well, I wanted to be here for something at 5. That obviously didn't Did happen. three hours to get here? Took me three hours to get here. I've driven to Shinnecock, and it hasn't taken that long. From northeast New Jersey. God bless you, Jimmy. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and Jackson Heil is back this week on the board. We're excited yeah, to have him back.
2: I am. I, I, I loved coming on and giving my minimal input last year. My Give my, as I'll call it, two cents. Literally. Because I'll literally chime in on about two things the entire show <laughs> give my irrelevant nonsense about college football and then but that's what we love exactly that's, that, what that's we need. why i'm here We need someone I'm, to break it up i'm huh? here for the people you know what i mean anyways i'll be back in like 15 minutes okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fair so jimmy last last weekend was a big test for some teams i would say and a team that choked hard and failed that test are the Oregon Ducks. Now, I was on this show last week, and I said, give me Oregon with or without Bryce Love suiting up. Bryce Love suited up, and my prediction was looking pretty solid until the, the fourth quarter when Oregon had the ball with about a minute left. Stanford was out of timeouts, and they go ahead and, and fumble. Stanford picks it up, goes down the field and scores, scores in overtime, game over.
1: Not great, Bob. Not great. And Oregon had them. Oregon had, had them. At one point they scored and it was 30-7 to and then it got called back. I think that was in the third quarter. And then it winds up going overtime, like you said. Bryce Love was a beast in that second half. Yep. He was averaging like eight yards per carry when he did nothing in the first half. So it's a great win for Stanford. I know Oregon blew it and I get that, but that's an awesome win for Stanford. Now to Oregon, and you made the point, and I, I think I agree with it. Justin Herbert looked really good. <laughs> he he might be a quarterback one. 26-33, yeah. 346,
0: a touchdown, and a pick. That's great.
1: That's fantastic. That's awesome. So he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country right now, and he was going to lead them to that win. And the guys around him, particularly I think on the offensive line, sort of— Laid off a little bit.
0: I think his center let him down on that fumble that they're gonna credit to Herbert, but it was the center's fault, snapped it over his head, not much he could do there.
1: Right. And that's yeah, I'm not gonna blame that on the quarterback, obviously, but that's an Oregon team where if you know, if you win that game, then you're looking at, Oh my god, we could <laughs> we could go on a run here. Yeah. Because Stanford, arguably the best team in the Pac twelve right now. You you have them coming into your establishment and you're you're beating the crap out of them and all of a sudden it just turns the other way. It's a deflating loss for Oregon. I still think they're a good team, but, man, it's that's that's not the type of loss that you get over in a week and then you come back and really beat out the other teams. Yeah. It's just not like that.
0: I mean, the score at the half was 24-7 Stanford, and then Stanford goes in the second half and overtime, outscoring them, what, 24, 31, 31 to seven in the last three quarters of football. Not yeah. even a quarter plus overtime.
1: Yeah, it's just they let off the gas.
0: Shouldn't happen. I'm. Um, I. I think this. I think this game confirmed what I thought going into last week is that Justin Herbert is right now unquestionably the number one quarterback in this class.
1: He's very good. He's. He's accurate. He's got a big arm. He's sort of got everything. And I think the other thing too is that he's sort of the hot guy right now so everybody's just Mm -hmm. flocking to him in droves and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how the rest of his season shakes out because now I want to watch every Oregon game just to see him
0: I think it'll I think it'll come down to him and Will Greer as the as the guy teams are gonna be fighting over to to pick up first you You know
1: you're still not that hot on Stidham
0: no and I know I probably should be but I don't know he he just doesn't really have the it factor for me, you know.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all you can really say about Jarrett Stidham. Um,
2: the the next game, that... Some analysis from Constantine. <laughs> right I'm just not in on Stidham. I'm just not yeah. in. I mean, he hasn't
0: really impressed I mean, me. Just, just, you just not know? really
2: feeling it with him. You know what yeah. I
0: mean? It might be because my my love affair with Justin Herbert and my. Desire for the New York Giants to make him their next quarterback for the next twenty years. Now you're looking I'll
1: ahead.
2: Say, I'll say this. I'll give you my one little point of analysis here. I'm. I don't like SEC quarterbacks in general. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah, mean, I just track track think right, they no. don't. They don't tend to pan out well. And I think Fromm might be an exception to that. But I think Fromm's I, real good. Fromm's a S- beast. Stidham just is ugh, whole lot. Of, I I kind of agree. Whole lot of
1: man. Whole he lot of man. Whole lot
0: of meh. I'm glad that I have someone on my side now.
2: All right. I'll,
1: I'll be the one, the one guy, guy who likes him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, another team that almost just inexplicably blew it is the Oklahoma Sooners against Army. Uh, final score 28 21 in OT. And, Jimmy, I'm going to let you talk for a second because I want to find the stats of this game. Oh, it's right here. Um, Army had the ball for 44 minutes and 41 seconds.
1: That's domination.
0: Compared to Oklahoma's 15 minutes and 19 seconds? That's not what you'll want out no. of a number five versus Army.
1: No, but I will say this, and people are killing Oklahoma, and I'm probably going to take it easier on them than most people have. Playing Army is an entirely different experience than playing in the Big 12, where you have teams like Iowa State and Texas and Texas Tech who have great offenses, not great defenses. And I'm just throwing those schools out there. I'm not singling them out or anything. In, when you play teams like Army and Navy, Air Force, it's entirely different because it's physical. They don't care what you're going to do. They're going to run the ball up the middle, get four yards, and then they're going to come back, and they're going to do the same thing again. So it's a very different physical experience that I don't think Oklahoma was fully ready for. And I think that sort of caught them off guard. Do I think they're fine? Yeah. Do I think there are things that they need to address with that defense, particularly from a physicality standpoint, from a stopping the run? Absolutely. And I think that's going to be ultimately what holds them back from, say, going to the playoff. And I, I kind of felt that way before the season too. So I I do think that there is stuff to worry about for Oklahoma, but I, I think it's – I feel like it's stuff we already knew about with them. I don't think it, this is new things – to, per se. It's not like they came in and said, wow, that's shocking. I can't believe that they couldn't stop the run. We knew they had problems stopping the run. It's just that it gets exacerbated when you have a team that literally doesn't throw.
0: Yeah, I, you can say that again. Army three of eight on Kelvin Hopkins Jr. was three of eight, but 25 carries, 102 rush yards. As a team, Army had 339 rushing yards on 78 carries.
1: I was just going to ask, like, how many times did they run it? Yeah, 78 ca- runs to eight Throws.
0: you know that's gonna be what you get out of army going in to that kind of game you know they're gonna run a triple option you know they're not gonna throw it that much so i think you're right with keying in on physicality and stopping the run because you can't be giving up almost 400 rushing yards to army
1: no you can't but it's it's it happens to teams often and i wasn't stunned that it happened but I wasn't expecting Army to take them into overtime. No. I thought their offense was going to score enough points to just outrun them. But good on, you know, good on Army. Jeff Munkin's a really good coach. He's done a great job there. Hey, I mean, they it's a good team. It's a well-run program. And, and they almost beat one of the top five teams in the country. So I'm happy for them. Speaking of coaches, I,
2: I have a question for you guys because I've seen some stuff. There, there's no reports or anything, but I've seen some stuff on Twitter about Lincoln Riley potentially coming to the NFL soon. And... I want to hear your guys' opinion on him personally, just because I think Riley's an offensive guru, just with what I've seen from him. I mean, I've only seen him what this is his second year as head coach. Yeah, it's a second year. Last year, I mean, you saw the offense he had with Baker Mayfield. You could argue Kyler Murray is even more. You could argue he's even more talented than Mayfield in terms of what he can do with his legs, and he's got similar arm strength. But do you guys think at some point we're going to see Riley as a head coach in the NFL? just with the way he can handle offense, I, I, the defense at Oklahoma, it's been bad ever since he's been there, which is kind of a concern to me, but honestly, I i, I wouldn't mind the Jets maybe taking a flyer on him at some point, if Bowles is the guy that is kind of let go at the end of the season, just because I, I want to I see someone who can help Sam Darnold, and I think with the way that we've seen Riley coach offensively at Oklahoma, that maybe he could be that guy. But again, I want you guys are the, more the experts on this than me, and I want to hear what you guys have to say about him. That's
0: a really good question. That is not even something I considered. I kind of
2: figured Riley
0: was going to be there for the long haul, a la Bob Stoops. That's a really interesting qu- question, Jackson. I think it's more likely that he makes the jump as an offensive coordinator first.
2: That, that That's what I was thinking. And then way.
0: becomes head coach. I could see it happening. I don't think it's soon. I mean, I'm sure people are going to come calling, but right now I don't see a reason for him to leave. Besi- I mean, obviously the lure of the NFL is huge, and you've seen lesser guys make that jump. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't see a reason not. Not for him. He's, like you said, he's a great offensive coach. His guys really seem to like him. They rally around him. I mean, Baker Mayfield has talked the world about Lincoln Riley. And I think that he could kind of make that. I He's one of those guys that could make the transition from college to the NFL.
1: Yeah, I don't see it happening next year because I think if he's going to make yeah, the I th- jump. Yeah, I think next year might be a stretch. Because I think if he's going to make the can. jump, it's going to be head coach to head coach. I don't think he's going to go there just to be an O.C. Really? Yeah, I think he's going to want to be a head coach, call the plays, call the shots, all that. The one thing I would worry about is that Oklahoma, he's been there since 2015. He's had two quarterbacks. Number one pick, Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield, and Kyler Murray, who is a physical freak. So I worry about that a little. Like, can he develop A quarterback because Baker Mayfield transferred in, so he was sort of already developed, even though he did help him out a lot. So I, I mean, I think he could be a pretty good NFL offensive mind. You could also
2: make the argument that he is developing Kyler Murray, though, and that's a good point too. Because
1: I think you could make that argument, but I think some of that was already there with him. So it's going to be interesting to watch because I will give you this, Jackson. In fairness, we did not see this out of Kyler Murray at Texas A and M ever. Mm -mm. So I think he's, I think he's helped out at least, yeah. I think he's helped out at least some with that. I think if he goes to the NFL, it's going to be as a head coach. I could see it. Come back to me in 2023. If he's an NFL (laughs) head coach by then, I wouldn't be shocked. That is well noted,
2: Jimmy. I I will (laughs) will be coming back to you in 2023. Also, just quickly before I let you guys get back, has Kevin Sumlin been like a disaster? He's he's in Arizona, right? He might get fired. He's
1: on the hot seat. It's been four games. He's turned Khalil Tate into a Wildcat quarterback. Yeah, Khalil Tate was a Heisman contender at times last year, and he, and he's been terrible this season.
2: I feel, I mean, like jo- Johnny Manziel is like the only reason they have a job. Yes, oh absolutely, like, no. the only reason he had a job. I mean, he was a disaster with Kenny Hill. And you know,
1: and you know, when he was at Houston, you know who his quarterback was, Case Keenum. That's true too. I forgot about that. Yes. Good, good point.
2: I'm saying. All right, I'm out. All right, goodbye. <laughs> so
0: let's let's kind of get into um, um the the quarterbacks now. Because there have been revelations this week. Dabo Sweeney has seen the light and decided to name Trevor Lawrence as the starting quarterback over over Kelly Bryant. It's not hard to see why Trevor Lawrence has looked so good in the action that he's been given. And honestly, it was just a matter of time for me. I figured this was going to come. And it has. And... You could have argued that you could have probably waited a little bit longer, but why? Really, honestly.
1: There's no, there's no point, and we've been in agreement pretty much all season that Trevor Lawrence was the better quarterback. I thought he was the better quarterback coming into camp. I think that they finally made the right move because they saw enough of a sample size where it was four games instead of one. So I think Dabo Swinney was finally like, okay, this is a kid who can handle it. We'll put him in. He's obviously better. And he'll lead us to the promised land. It's Clemson offense that's kind of struggled a little bit to this point in the season because they struggled to find their identity. This will help a lot, and they're going to they're going to uncork T Higgins in the deep game. Mm-hmm. I said that a couple weeks ago, and I still believe it. I think he is a guy who could be a legitimate threat. People were talking about him for the Heisman before the season, which was a stretch, but I think he's a guy who could really have a big final eight nine games of the season here. Because he's got a much better deep ball thrower than Lawrence and somebody who's also more accurate. And granted he might not have quite the speed that Kelly Bryant has, but no no matter. He's just a better quarterback. And I think that they I think they made the right move.
0: Lawrence has one of the best deep balls I've seen out of a quarterback in a while. Honestly. I mean, some of these deep balls that he's thrown, they they remind me of
1: This is gonna be a stretch, isn't it? <laughs>
0: I don't know. I wanted to say far, but that's a little that's a little much even for me, yeah, that's a that's a little much for me. um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, he's great. We all know he's great. He's gonna be great. He's gonna lead this Clemson team into the playoff like everyone kind of expected him to. i I feel like he was expected to just be given the job out of camp and kind of just throw Kelly Bryant to the wayside, but. I'll, I'll give Dabo Sweeney credit, he wanted to stick with the guy that got him to the dance last year, didn't work out the way he hoped it would, and now they're going with the guy that they assume, because this is all just us speculating that he'll be able to handle the pressure of being a starting quarterback for the number two ranked team in the country. I think that he'll be able to get it done, but... I'm not sure if he's going to have enough to kind of do a Fromm did last
1: year. You know? I got you, yeah. So, you don't, so they could win the ACC, but you don't think they're like going to win the I championship? I don't think so. I picked them to win the national championship before the season. I'm sticking with it despite Alabama looking like a combination of like the five to ten best teams that we have ever seen right now, I'm going to stick with Clemson. I honestly thought that kind of either way, but I think Trevor Lawrence is a much better option, and he gives that offense another dimension, and that defense is so good. And I think that once you put all that together, you're going to be looking at the best team in the country. And it's another interesting note, and I'll, I guess, leave this discussion on this, This has been the year of freshman, sophomore, underclassmen guys taking over for upperclassmen, Mm -hmm. guys like Nkosi Perry at Miami. Oh, we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, Lawrence at Clemson, Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama. The only place that hasn't happened is Georgia because Jake Fromm – Right now looks He's like he could, he could be a QB1 if he was able to come out this and year. And Fromm was a guy who did that last year. Yes. He was a guy yeah. who took the job last year. True freshman. And they were talking about Justin Fields taking his job. I don't yeah. know why. I was one of those people. I, I'm a moron. <laughs> but it, now in hindsight, it looks ridiculous
2: because he looks amazing. I, I also have another question for you guys kind of regarding the landscape of college football.
1: In I like getting questions from I like the audience. This. this is great. We should have like a live studio audience <laughs> when we get the trainees it's in almost here. like
2: It's almost like I'm kind of like, like the host of the debate. In yeah. some sort of way. But yeah. anyways, like you said, we've kind of seen a lot of fresh, true freshman quarterbacks getting starts. I mean, we saw Fromm last year. We talked about Lawrence and I think if if Alabama could go back in time, I think Tua would have been the guy yes. from the start as well. Absolutely. Do you guys think we're gonna see I I think the answer is gonna be yes and no doubt, but do you think we're gonna see a transition more into these true freshman guys getting the chance early? Because I I just think I think it's kind of written it's kind of written itself out where if you are the more talented quarterback, you should be getting you should be getting the stars. I, I feel like a lot of coaches had this almost seniority complex for a long time, including Nick Saban, who's the best to do it. And, I mean, we saw last year with Jalen Hurts getting the starting job the entire year. Even this year, he was giving Jalen Hurts a chance, and Tua kind of grabbed that job by the gonads and took it himself. But I, I just feel like we're going to see this almost transition into a more, a more younger college football generation, if that's even possible, of, of more true freshmen getting opportunities to start games. And I, I I know that that might seem almost crazy for a lot of these coaches, but I, I feel like in the long run it's going to be great for the game because some one of the main problems with college football for me is we don't get to see these guys long enough. We don't get to see these stars for long enough. And if you're giving these guys these star quarterbacks, three chances or three years, I should say, to really burst onto the scene. I I just feel like that's going to be great for the sport in general.
1: And I think too, I think you're absolutely right that we're going to probably see more of these true freshmen because I think high school is totally different. Now the, the expectations, the way people follow high school football is insane. I mean, you and I matter from New Jersey, right? I watched my high school play on ESPN last October ESPN. (laughs) That's pretty incredible. Uh, I know, right? But the expectations are totally different because you've got like Huddle and 24-7 and all that other stuff. So these guys are tracked basically from when they're 14, 15, in some cases younger. So I think they've dealt with that pressure. It's not something they can't handle, at least for most of them. So I think you should. You should. But I think some of these older grizzled coaches will be like, I want to play the older guy. But it doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think that. Jackson, you made a great point. We only see these guys for a limited amount of time. I mean, we were only blessed with Johnny Football for two years, and they were two of the most exciting like years we should, in we, college like, football.
2: Imagine getting like a third year of Johnny Football. I would have Three it. years of Tua, or I just all these guys. I mean, we got to see more of them, yeah, man.
0: You're absolutely right.
1: I mean, Tua might win the Heisman this year yeah. the way he's playing right now. I, th-
0: I think the only reason that a a true freshman quarterback that has the talent to start right now doesn't get the job anymore is if you already have a stud entrenched a la Jacob
1: Fromm. True. Jake Fromm. Fair. Excuse me. True, and the other thing that's going to help that too is this new redshirt rule has really been weird where you have – you can transfer before, like, the first four games and not – burn your red shirt so you still have the same amount of eligibility guys are going to use that they already have and i think that's going to allow guys to get one maybe even siphon another year of eligibility just by exploiting that, rule.
2: And that that's the one thing i'll give the ncaa credit for as they're, they're they're trying to give these guys an opportunity at least in this aspect obviously there's so much corrupt with the ncaa and oh, yeah. so much in. we show, we, we, yeah. we, uh, we could have we could go we could basically do a whole podcast on how corrupt the NCAA is, but there's not enough At, money, at right, least Jimmy? in this, no, at no, least no, no, in fine. this, <laughs> at least in this aspect, you're giving these quarterbacks, or and not, and I mean, it's not even just quarterbacks; it's play, it's players all around the country and all different positions, but particularly quarterbacks who aren't going to get the chance at some place to go somewhere else and be a star, and that's also going to help some of these smaller schools because sure. you look at these big-time quarterbacks that go to big-time schools. And don't win starting jobs. It's gonna it's gonna help the development of the game from a long term standpoint. Justin, in other schools, and not not just small schools, but also bad teams in big conferences try to become better because because I think that that's something that's so important to college football as well as having these competitive conf, competitive big time conferences. I think the if you look at what college football is right now, it's two powerhouse teams really in each conference and then there's really not much else to talk about elsewhere. If you get four or five teams competitive in one conference, that that could be huge for college football. And I think that this rule could certainly help that.
0: Yeah, I know we touched on in Cozy Perry taking over at Miami. I thought that was a matter of time because Malik Rogier is just so bad. Oh, he's terrible. And he he only threw twenty five balls, but he already looks better in in the short amount of time he played than Malik Rozier has looked in two years, essentially. And another quarterback that took over a... that looks to be taking over a a program is Ian Book in Notre Dame. And this can easily transition us into looking forward to this weekend's games. Um, Notre Dame-Stanford in South Bend is obviously my game of the week. Um, Ian Book looked really good.
1: Looked fantastic. He, it's it's such a different dimension with him too. Like Brandon Wimbush was a run first guy, but then like he put in Book and he can throw it around. He winds up throwing for three hundred and fifty yards against a pretty good Wake Forest team. That is not a bad team really at all. No, and they
0: looked they looked all right for, yeah. for a little
1: bit, but they were never gonna hang in. I think they're gonna beat Stanford this week. Yeah. I I, I think like so too. I like I, I liked Book better than Wimbush last year. And now I'm now I'm 100% sure. Now I'm sold. So I think that offense is going to be different, and I think Stanford's a little bit so-so right now. So I, I like Notre Dame.
0: I mean, Ian Book threw for 325 yards, threw for two touchdowns, also ran for 43 yards, and had three rushing touchdowns. It's tremendous. This is a guy that was basically brought in to hand the ball off on the two-yard line To let the go, to let the running back score, and Brian Kelly was just letting Brandon Wimbush look mediocre out in the field when he had Ian Book on the sideline. Granted, it's Wake Forest, and they're not the elite of the elite, but it's still an ACC team, and he looked really good. And I think that he's going, and and Brian Kelly last week also said that Brandon Wimbush and Ian Book were basically going to split time. That didn't happen. Brandon Wimbush didn't throw a pass last week.
1: And he probably won't this week.
0: I don't think he's going to throw a pass for the rest of the season. I've, I don't think he should. I kind
2: of have a low-key hot take. I don't know how hot it is, but I, I personally think Notre Dame's going to make the playoff. That's not... It's not that much of a hot take. Jackson, you want to keep coming back? I like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, you, you, know where to, you know where to find me. But <laughs> it, it's, anyways... J- it's warm. It's not hot. The, they made Shea Patterson week one look... Her, uh, look horrendous, and mm-hmm. he's a former top overall yep. prospect. He was the number one recruit to Ole Miss a while ago. Yep. That that is some story you can get into another day. But with the way things played out there with Hugh Freeze, but I, I, I love their defense personally. I, I think Brian Kelly has. He, listen, he he's had he's had some tough years at Notre Dame, but. I mean, like you said, you get Book in there. He looked great last week against Wake Forest. I think that this week will really kind of tell us where Notre Dame is officially at. I mean, it's a tough test against Stanford. They, again, like you said, Stanford didn't look all that great. But if they they have to show that they can stop the run game. And I, I feel like if they're able to do that against Bryce Love, who obviously is all has all the accolades and probably the best in the country at what he does, I, I honestly could realistically see a scenario where Notre Dame ends up as a top as ends up ends up in the top four at the end of the year. I I, I and I think that would be great again another situation which would just be absolutely great for college football anytime Notre Dame is good. You're in a good spot.
1: And I think if they win this week, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule, they could run the table because they've got a tough test with Virginia Not anymore. Not Not Um, anymore. (laughs) Home to Pittsburgh, that's a win. At Navy, it'll be a tough game. Home Northwestern, that's probably a win. Home for the team from Tallahassee, that'll be a win. Home for Syracuse, (laughs) that'll be a win. And then at USC. The team from Tallahassee. Yeah, Jackson,
0: you've been out of the loop. We have excommunicated the team from Tallahassee. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they're no longer a any any reason why uh, Really, just... Taggart's bad? They almost lost to Samford. you know. Ta- Taggart's, prob- Taggart's probably probably going to get fired
2: after this year, right? I could
0: I could see it. I mean, they they probably won't because it's it's it is Florida State, and they don't want they they don't want their reputation put, a, dola- put a dollar in the jar. I'll put a man. dollar in the jar. Fine. It
2: it is remarkable how poorly Florida State had handled that whole Jimbo Fisher situation. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And, uh yeah that, I mean
1: that's not what it used to be that job is not what it used to not be not anymore when Bobby now. was there
2: so back
0: getting back on track I think Notre Dame is going to take care of business what i I say it every time I talk about them they live to play those night games in South Bend against premier opposition and it doesn't get any bigger for them this season against number seven Stanford
1: oh uh, that this is the game of their season mm-hmm like, this is the toughest opponent they're going to have the rest of the way because USC is not that good. Syracuse is actually pretty good, but they're they're not on this level. They beat Stanford. I think they are run the table. I really do. I do. Um, I thought—I think this is a—it's a losable game, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, look, they should play book, let their defense play. It's going to come down to the last possession. I really believe that. But I think Notre Dame wins, I'll say, 24-21. It'll be a low-scoring game. Bryce Love will have a decent game, but he'll be contained just enough where he's not making those huge chunk plays that he usually does, like he did in the second half against Oregon.
0: Am I crazy for thinking this is the best Notre Dame team since they went to the national championship game? Oh, it
1: is. It absolutely is. Because all you're missing is the quarterback. The defense is the best it's been. The offensive line is still really good, even after losing two top 11 or 12 picks. And, and that's, yeah. that's
0: hard to say that their defense is better when they
1: had Manti Teo leading that defense. This is the best defense they've had since then. I, I sincerely believe that.
2: I know we got to wrap it up soon, but I, I this is kind of quick input on the other side of that matchup. I think this might be the most important game for the Pac-12 in yes. oh, yeah. four or five years mm-hmm. at oh, least. Yeah. I mean, I, you could argue the Rose Bowl last year with Darnold and against Penn State. That would, didn't really have much importance, but I, I think the Pac-12 has a legitimate chance to get a playoff team this year if Stanford, it would have to require Stanford running the table and Washington not losing another game going into the Pac twelve championship. Yep. But the the Pac twelve needs to show themselves at some point and listen, their best opportunity is Stanford, but I, I think Washington I think Washington is good enough to get to the playoff if they're able to beat Stanford, yeah. but they'd have they'd have to run the table and I, I think if the Pac twelve doesn't get a team soon, I mean Jake Browning's time's running out at Washington. Bryce Love only has what well, is is Love a sophomore or a junior? He's is a junior. He's a junior. junior so he he will out. be. He will he be entering the out. draft. So, so he's got only this year left. They have to do something at some point because mm-hmm. this conference is going to go to absolute disaster if they're not
1: able to yeah. get a playoff team at some point soon. Yeah, and I picked Washington before the season. That's a team I really like. I think they can still make it to the playoffs. Just quickly, we'll go around the table. Uh, the other huge game this weekend: Ohio State, Penn State in Happy Valley.
0: Only a three and a half point favorite, Ohio State. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we we were talking before the show, and I think we all came to the conclusion that they're probably going to run Penn State out of the building.
2: Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I think the Buckeyes are going to run them out. They get Urban Meyer back. That Penn State's offense hasn't looked the same without Joe Moorhead, who is I, Joe, obviously the, the obvious Ford and plug. There, blah, but uh, I, I think I do think f- that Ohio State is going to run the table. The run game is too much and I, I just penn state hasn't shown me enough in the early go i mean the the almost week 1 loss to appalachian state i mean they looked Really bad for a while against Illinois last week. I don't think this is going to be much of a game.
1: I'm going to be the uh, dissent here. I'm going to pick Penn State to win this one. I think the loss of Nick Bosa is going to be big.
2: I I agree with you.
1: We God, we I forgot about
2: that. J- yeah. I was
0: talking to Jimmy when the news broke that Nick Bosa was having core surgery and the... I can't
1: repeat that conversation. Is he, is he, <laughs> is
0: he done for the year? Uh, the initial so the, the initial reaction yeah. is six weeks because that's that's what has been heard, but there hasn't been any real confirmation. You know, Jimmy. Picking Penn State isn't the craziest thing I've heard this week because it's going to be under the lights. It's going to be in Happy Valley, like you said. It's going to be rocking. The students are – it's probably going to be a whiteout like usual. You know what? Why not? I'm with you, Jimmy. Give me Penn State. Wow, I flipped you. Just because I I, I don't like Ohio State anymore. You guys
2: are crazy. The Buckeyes are taking this by 20. (laughs) Don't get
0: me wrong. I'm not going to be surprised if it goes the other way. But that is all the time we have this week, ladies and gentlemen. For Jimmy Sullivan, welcoming back Jackson Heil. I'm Matt Costantini. Come back next week.